Hello, I'm Deb Brady. Today, Jim is home with a bad cold, so we're sending him some get well wishes. Today on Ask BBB, make the most of your holiday parties and office potlucks by becoming a comfortable and effective networker. Allison Graham, president of Elevate Biz, will give us some pointers. What if you need a little help getting over those networking nerves or passing up on tempting holiday treats? Gilles Bernard of London Hypnotherapy is here today and may share a few of those secrets of this mysterious technique. As Hanukkah and Christmas are rushing towards us, are you thinking of taking your shopping list to the cyber world? If so, find out what you need to know to shop smart online with BBB Tips. All coming up on BBB. All coming up on Ask BBB. So let's get to our first guest. Allison, it's a pleasure to have you here today. Hi, it's great to be here. I love uh, getting to spend time with you and the the team from BBB. Well, Elevate Biz has gotten a big name in London for networking and teaching people how to be effective networkers. And this seems like a good time of year to be focusing on those skills when we have those extra invites. So can you give us a few pointers on how we should get started with it? Sure can. This is uh, definitely the the best time of year to put all of those networking skills to work. And I... What are some different things that we can talk about? Well, we want to be sure that if you don't love networking, often what people will do is they'll go a little bit later. So they think, oh, I'm going to go when nobody's going to notice that I'm showing up when the crowd's already talking. And what I found for myself, because I used to be really shy when it came to networking, and I know people don't believe that no, now. We don't. <laughs> you don't now. But back in the day, there are people who uh, who do remember those days. And what I realized that is, is that if you go early, right at the beginning, instead of showing up fashionably late, it's actually actually less intimidating. Because there's fewer people there? Fewer people there. The leaders, the people who are hosting the event are in the room. They're anxious. Just like when you have a party at your house and you invite people over, it's that time between 8 and come over any time after 8 o'clock, between 8 and 9 where nobody's there or maybe only one or two and you, you're waiting for people to get there. So, And what happens are the people filling around you and it takes a lot of the stress off. Okay. That's a good tip. Yeah. Well, speaking of timing, so I want to come early, but especially if it's at somebody's house, I don't want to catch them when they're still getting those hors d'oeuvres out of the oven or something. What is a good time to arrive relative to the start time of the party? Well, I like to get there within the first 10 minutes. So if they say 8 o'clock, then within sort of 8.10 is kind of, I think, what the actual okay. etiquette is. But showing up 8.30, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock is <laughs> where it kind of crosses that line into being too late. I, and, you know, ask your host, right? Like, is 8 o'clock you'd like us there or would you like us to come a little bit later? Okay. Like, I, I know that I'm never ready if, for those people who show up at 10 to 8. Right. Well, I don't think it's a good idea to show up early, mm-hmm. like before the time. I want you to show up right on time or a little bit after if, just if you're you're comfortable because I'm never ready in time either. Okay. <laughs> never enough uh, so time I, to get ready. I walk in the door and let's say it's at a, a ballroom or a big conference center. It's like one of those big uh, association networking events. Mm-hmm. What do I do when I walk in that door? Well, I always like to go for comfort activities first. So uh, typical people will go to the bar, grab a drink, whether it's alcoholic or not, uh, you know, just get something in your hand, say hi to the host, and then what I'd love to encourage you to do is go for the event energy. Go right into the middle of the room where everybody is already talking and make eye contact with somebody and say hello and open a conversation. And the reason I, I suggest that is because you're gonna, it's going to be easier to network when you're around people. Generally, if you do, you're not really comfortable with networking or you don't know a lot of the people who are at the party, 
you'll go to the wall. <laughs> yeah. Pop it up. It needs yeah. some support. That's right. And, and it's very uh, difficult to make friends with a wall. <laughs> Just not the greatest relationships. And you miss so many opportunities because everybody's there for the same room or for the reason. I always think if you're in the same room together, you must have some common connection. Okay. So when you're having that initial conversation, figure out what that common connection is. And that will be a springboard for a deeper conversation instead of just talking about the typical, how are you? Busy, busy, (laughs) you know, and uh, which is not very effective for networking. So I walk into the room. I see a couple of groups in the middle. I approach that. I kind of saddle up to one of the groups and I try to get some eye contact. Then what's, you know, somebody looks over at me. Do I have an opening line? (laughs) Well, I've heard some cheesy ones over the years, and my opinion on this is it's a simple, hi, how are you? Nobody looks at you and says, nope, not answering that one. (laughs) It's pretty casual, and it's very customary. I think what happens when we have a line, uh, and somebody used one on me the other night, and it was the most awkward experience because I was so cut off guard and I didn't know what to say and it was so inappropriate and and it just it's not a natural way to build or open up a conversation to build a relationship and my my opinion is we need we want to make uh, authentic relationships not uh, when we have lines it's usually based on some sort of a cheesy I'm trying too hard mm-hmm. and I think people will enjoy networking when it's not schmoozy and when it's more authentic and it's just like talking assume that the person who's in front of you is going to become your next best friend okay so now I don't think that being doing business actually at the event is my goal, but my goal is to try to make some kind of uh, contact that I can follow up on. The goal of every event is to find the people who, with whom you connect enough that you want to connect again after oh, the event. Okay. It's to lay the foundation until you come back to that same event, you know, if it's an annual or a, a a marketing event that you, a networking event that you would go to monthly, and then connect with them afterwards. Especially around the holiday time, we want to still, you know, be open for business, but we want to keep the business between nine and five and the social time at night. Yeah. But leverage that social interaction so that you can lay the foundation to have a meeting or do, oh, and say, oh, you know what, I'll give you a call about that. And I think it's also important to recognize that even though it's a very social time of year, you still are representing your professional reputation. My brand. Your brand. And you know, it's very difficult to re- recover from eating spilled pate off the floor, <laughs> which I dare say has happened in oh, the no. city at a Christmas party or, you know, licking your fingers because you don't have a napkin. Like all of those funny things that we hear those horror stories, they do they do happen and, and you want to just keep your alcohol consumption to a minimum if you don't know how to control yourself. I know somebody who set his pants on fire. <laughs> he leaned over and got his butt in the candle. Oopsie-daisy. <laughs> um, so I don't think you've been doing as much networking as sometimes because you've been a little busy on another project. I really have been. So first of all, I've been working with clients on their sales efforts instead of just the networking, which is consuming my client work. And then I'm writing a new book on resiliency. And this is based on my going through uh, what I call my decade of hell <laughs> with chronic pain and 
death and a lot of grief and everything like that. And so I'm really excited to announce that in the coming weeks. Uh, people can find out at elevatebiz.com. It will be there and it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think hope a lot of pe- help a lot of people. So maybe we'll have you back to talk about the new book in the early spring then. Yes. So we'll talk all about resiliency. Well, I think that's a really important life skill for us to have. So I look forward to having you back, Allison. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And coming up, we'll be talking to Jules Bernard about hypnotherapy. Hi, we're back, and I'm Deb Brady with Ask BBB. And joining us this morning is Jules Bernard, president of London Hypnotherapy. Now, hypnotherapy is an unusual type of business. So can you tell us a little bit of what happens, what people can expect when they become hypnotized? Well, I can definitely do that. Um well, the first thing to get uh, to understand is that hypnosis is a natural state of mind. So, I, in fact, uh, most people are going in and out of hypnosis on a daily basis. Really? Yeah. So, in my business, it's, uh, it's quite um, surprising that most people have heard of hypnosis, but nobody really knows what it is because they're surprised, just like you are, that m- most of us, on average, about go into hypnosis about seven times a day. Is that like when we're kind of daydreaming or something? Exactly. Or like we've all had the experience of maybe driving home on a Friday or any day for that matter where our mind is somewhere else. And we kind of get home and go, how did I get here? Or I don't remember going through those intersections. That's the state of hypnosis that you're in there. Okay. So are we aware of what's going on in the background when we're in that type of state? Well, again, so what happens is the logic mind kind of moves off to the side and it's a communication with the unconscious mind. So there's different ways of, of responding or experiences with hypnosis. So in most cases, when I'm doing my hypnotherapy, people are completely aware of what's going on, right? Because I'm interacting with them. I'm asking them questions. So it just seems like their eyes are closed and I'm talking to you. Very rarely does the deepest of subjects even know that they're deeply hypnotized. And then there's other times where if I'm doing all the talking and more doing hypnosis, their conscious mind is completely gone. And when they come out of trance, they feel as though they've just woken up from a nap. Oh, I could use a nap today. Right, right, right. We all could, right? Especially around the holidays. <laughs> so what do people seek hypnotherapy for? Well, there's um, – it's a list of things. I mean I help people with addictions, um, self-esteem, anxiety, fears, phobias, motivation, pain management. The list goes on and on. You know, I remember I've been doing this for about over 10 years now and I had an aha moment when I realized that everybody could use this in one way or another. So anything can walk through my door. So you just saw Alison Graham. She was here talking about um, networking over the holidays. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are are nervous networkers. They're really quite shy. Is that something somebody could get help with through hypnotherapy? Oh, absolutely. You know, and that's a big one. I remember uh, growing up myself in high school, I used to hate public speaking and that kind of stuff. And, uh, and here with, the hypnosis, the with the hypnosis, I mean, I do, I do groups of th- hundreds and sometimes thousands of people oh, okay. and with no fear at all with the help of hypnosis. So absolutely with that, uh, hypnosis can definitely help you. So when you have a big group like that, are you hypnotizing people, like the entire audience, individuals, and is it for like therapeutic or entertainment purposes? I can do both, right? Okay. So I've been brought in to do big groups of people where I hypnotize the whole room. Wow. I come in and I'll do, for example, comedy shows where I select a few people to come up on the stage and do it. Um, and a lot of times I'll do, you know, specific one-on-one with a group of people one at a time. I'll bring them up. So it's depending what I'm there for. But I mean, yeah, I can do the whole room all at once if they want me to. I have seen you bring people up on stage for entertainment purposes and um, some people mm-hmm. thought that they hadn't been hypnotized and yet they were had been doing silly things on stage, not like – embarrassing things, but silly things. 
Yeah, and that's exactly it. Most people, again, because they're surprised they find out that hypnosis is a natural state of mind that we're in and out of every day. So, and because most of us, I would say almost every one of us, have gone into hypnosis thousands of times in our life, we just didn't call it that. So, because you're doing something that is not new, doesn't feel new, it's normal. People are surprised to realize that I don't think I was hypnotized. Although to the audience, when they're watching them, they're going, well, you were doing things, you know, you were responding in ways that you normally wouldn't respond or you were seeing things that you weren't normally seeing. But to them, it didn't feel like they were hypnotized because they're in a state that they've gone into thousands of times in their life. Okay. Yeah. Well, can anybody be hypnotized? Yes. So again, everybody goes into hypnosis on uh, on a daily basis. So everybody can be hypnotized. Now, that doesn't mean everybody will be hypnotized, meaning if you come up on a stage, you know, if you ever watched a show where a lot of people come up, some people get kind of booted off the stage. It's not because they can't be hypnotized, but usually it could be where maybe their attention span at that time, their ability to focus isn't very good. Or maybe they have fear, you know, fear or resistance of hypnosis is the only thing that will stop it. Okay. Right? So that's usually what will stop it. So when I see people one-on-one or even when I do those groups, I do the best that I can to uh, eliminate those fears with my pre-talk, explain to them what it is, what it's not, what's not to be afraid of. But some people just um, are more easily hypnotized than others and some people just don't have fear. So that's usually what will be the deciding factor. But to answer the question, everybody can be hypnotized. doesn't always mean that they will be. So if somebody wanted their spouse, for instance, to quit smoking and so, you know, a gym gets sent to – not not our gym. A yeah. gym gets sent uh, to see you because his wife wants him to stop smoking but he's not actually interested in, in quitting. Would he still be successful? Well, uh, I always say, you know, if when the wife calls me and says, I want my husband to stop smoking – uh, I say, where is he? And usually, uh, if he's not walking in and wanting to, I usually tell them to save their money. But that doesn't always mean that they w- won't be successful. I could definitely help them. It would just make my job a lot harder. So one of the good qualifications for somebody to make a change like that is they have to have the motivation for the change to begin with. Okay. So that happens all the time when mom brings in her son and says, make him stop smoking or make him do his homework. And I says, well, unless he <laughs> wants to do it, you know, I'm not really going to force my beliefs and, and my hypnosis on them. Okay. So it's always better that they have the motivation for change. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So do you have any interesting stories of what people have been hypnotized for? Well, I've got lots. Do you understand? And so, um, you know, you never really know what's going to walk through the doors, right? So I do know that uh, I've hypnotized some people and I usually – it's called a regression where I bring them into their past and uh, we've run them back to what we thought was childhood uh, memories where he was speaking another language. And when he came out of trance, he told me he didn't know that language. So – what that was, I don't know. I guess we'll leave it up to that to your <laughs> listeners, right? Pretty interesting. So London Hypnotherapy is a BBB-accredited business. Yeah. Can you tell us a little about how BBB has helped your business? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, the first thing is, again, nobody really – everybody's heard of hypnosis, but nobody really knows what it is. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people that walk through my doors for hypnotherapy come in with the expectation that they're going to be out cold, mm-hmm. that they're not going to remember what happens – they're gonna. Uh, they're not gonna remember what happens. Uh, that I have mind control at first. So, um, you know, having that BBB emblem, I think, helps a lot of people. You know, give it gives me kind of some integrity, so that people think, all right, you know, this is an accredited business. It's safe. You know, for hypnosis. You know, which is kind of a business that's not really known. 
it's beneficial to have it there. I've, so, I've had a lot of people mention it to me. You can get some credibility from it. Exactly. Especially with something where it's such an unknown thing that to have that BBB really helps the clients, the people well, walking through. Well, that's good to hear. And I think it's been really interesting to give people a little introduction to what hypnotherapy is all about. Yes. To learn that it can be both entertaining and therapeutic for mm-hmm. a whole lot of reasons. So yeah. I really appreciate you being on the show, Gilles. Oh, it's Thank my you. pleasure. Thank you. Coming up next, we'll have a brief discussion talking about how to be a savvy shopper during this holiday season. Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Deb Brady, and I'd like to complete today's show with a discussion about how to be a savvy shopper. With Hanukkah and Christmas quickly on our heels, we are probably feeling a little bit of pressure to finish up our holiday shopping list. But it is still prudent to do some advanced planning before you hit the malls or the keyboard. So first of all, make sure that you look at your list and that you're prepared before you do that shopping. You know what you're planning to buy and you've done some comparison shopping. Advertisements is a good place to start, but make sure when you're comparing the ads that you're aware whether the product is the same and not just shopping on price because store A and store B may have similar products, but you might find that in the specs, for instance, the size or the capability of storage, something like that could be different. So make sure that you're shopping apples and apples. If you do find some questionable ads, let BBB know by sending us a note at bbb.org forward slash ad truth, and we'll try to set it straight. So once you've shopped Uh, done your preparation for shopping and know what you want to buy and you're going to log on, make sure that you follow those standard safety tips for shopping online. Make sure that the URL has a little lock symbol or an S after the HTTP. The S stands for secure. And also make sure that you're using authentic website, that you're not falling for an imposing, a composer website. So the best thing to do is to go to your search engine and type in the merchant's name specifically instead of responding to a pop-up ad. And what about if you're going to the stores? Make sure that you understand what the return and exchange policy is. I'd like to take a picture of it with my smartphone. That way I have it handy. Many stores you'll find are extending their policies so that you have more time for people to return their gifts. And you can usually ask for a, a gift receipt. And some stores will have blackouts, for instance, on Boxing Day so that they don't have huge lines going out the door. So be aware and save yourself some hassles down the road. And if you're shopping at a box, at a box store, think small. Not all the box stores have the best prices. Sometimes the local retailers have better prices and often better service. So comparison shop with your local store and shop local in your own community. And what about donations? This is time of year that many people are thinking about giving money to charities. It's that time of year of sharing, and also it's the time of year of the last-minute tax deduction. If you're trying to find out about a charity, you should go to bbb.org and look up the history of the charity with BBB and see if they meet our standards. And you can also get their email or website information so that you can contact them directly to make the donation. Again, don't fall for those pop-ups because it might be a fake charity scamming you out of money. So again, use caution. And make sure when you select your charity that you're selecting one that is effective with your money. You want to make sure that your dollar is going as far as it can. If you want to learn more about all these shopping tips, you can go to bbb.org and look for our holiday helper. 
All of the stories that we're talking about this month are going to be posted on that website, and you can get all the tips for being a smart and savvy shopper. While you're out doing that holiday shopping this weekend, I'd like to remind you to pick up another gift so that you can bring a new unwrapped toy to one of many toy donation drop-off sites and help brighten a child's Christmas this holiday season. The Centre of Hope on Wellington Road and the Salvation Army Headquarters and any fire hall all have toy donation drop-offs, as well as the Chorus Radio radio station. You can drop off at all of these sites until Friday, and on Friday night from 5 to 9, there is also additional drop-off at the Delta Hotel. So please think about those other kids when you're doing your own shopping. You can always ask BBB by visiting our website at bbb.org to answer your questions about shopping, to find a business that you can trust, or for help resolving a complaint. You can also contact us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at BBB Western Aunt. That's BBB W-E-S-T-E-R-N-O-N-T. If you have a question or suggestion about a guest, please tweet us at hashtag AskBBB. We're very interested to hear what you have to say. Thanks to our producer, Ashley Kassman, the BBB Serving Western Ontario's Communications Manager. Until next time, start with trust.